Hey everybody, welcome to episode 276 of the Running Rogue Podcast. This is your host, Chris McClung, and I'm excited about this episode because it represents in many ways a turn of the page on your running season as many of you are prepping for fall races, whether they be fall marathons or half marathons, that training starts now as you prep for those races in September, October, and November. And anytime we turn the page on a season, it means we've got to turn the page on a chapter in your running journey. And so using that analogy, we're going to talk about your next chapter. And I've got 10 tips for you on turning the page on your last cycle and beginning this new cycle to prep for fall races with the right mentality and the right approach. So I'm going to give you 10 things to think about in prepping yourself and being ready to step into this new season of training so that you can go chase whatever goals you want when the late summer and fall rolls around. Before I get there, just a couple of quick things by way of intro. First of all, I wanted to thank everybody for their response to the last episode. We've had several messages to me directly and then also to Michael Wilt about that conversation we had last week about mental health and running. And I wanted to just thank you for listening and thank you for the response. It's been very affirming to Michael, who has been hesitant in the past about about sharing his story. And so it definitely provided validation to him to that that was the right decision to to join me in that conversation. So really appreciate him and appreciate all of you for your response. Secondly, I wanted to let you know that we'll be opening up the next season. It'll be season 10 of the Rogue Renegades, my podcast-based training group that I coach with James Dodds. That group is big and strong, and we are starting to turn the chapter on their season to season 10 and prepping for fall races. And so if you'd like to join us in training for races from September through to December with really any distance in mind from speed to half marathon to marathon, then that is a program that could be right for you. So check it out. You can go to our website and find more information at roguerunning.com. But just know we'll be opening that group up on Wednesday, June 1st and holding it open for two weeks. So you have a two-week window to jump in. We only open that for about four weeks a year, once in June, once in January, and that's it. So you've got limited windows to jump in. This is a new, another chance to do so. So that's coming up soon. Look out for that information on Wednesday, June 1st. I'll include that in my upcoming episodes as well, but you can also find that information and ultimately sign up on our website at roguerunning.com. So check that out if you're interested. Okay, let's jump right in then from there and talk about the 10 tips I have for you as you turn the page on your last cycle and start your next cycle. Many of you are training for fall marathons, especially Berlin, Chicago, Twin Cities, Marine Corps, New York, all those major races. We've got a big group ourselves going to Indianapolis in early November. And so this is the time to reset and restart. But I wanted to, as a part of that, send you guys through the airwaves some of the reminders I've been giving my teams, both the group I coach here in Austin in person and the group I coach virtually through the podcast with James. So I've got 10 things to think about as you prep for this next season. Most of these are actually mental, but a few of these are physical as well. So let's dig into it. First of all, these first two I'm going to give you are all about closing the last chapter. 
I was talking to James Dodd this morning on our James Dodds this morning on our podcast for the Rogue Renegades, our podcast-based training group, and he used this analogy, this book analogy that I'm using with you now, on each of your training cycles being a chapter in a book, and each each chapter has a begin, beginning, and end. It has its ebb and flow within the chapter, and then it's contained in that in that vessel. And then you move to that next chapter, you turn the page on the next chapter. And that is a very good analogy for how you should think about your training cycles. It's all part of one book, all part of one big running journey for you. But each of those chapters is a defined segment of work that has its own arc, its own storyline. And then you got to turn the page to the next one. You're all still building the same book and those chapters from the past, they still count in building the size of your book, but you got to turn the page, reset, and get into the next chapter with a clean slate. And that starts by finishing off the last chapter. And there's a couple of things I've got here for you on making sure you close the book on the last chapter. First thing is I want you to reflect on the lessons learned from the last chapter. Reflect on the lessons learned on the last chapter. You either win or you learn. Those are two options in this. And we'll talk in a second about the wins. But but first, you've got to make sure you're pulling the lessons out of this chapter appropriately. And I think in order to do that, you first have to separate yourself from the feelings of whatever race outcome that you've had. As I've recommended many times on here, regardless of what outcome you get, whether you get your goal or you don't get your goal, the first step after a race is to always feel the feels. Make sure you celebrate the wins and make sure you mourn the losses that you grieve, the loss of a goal not achieved. And that for some people takes a day, two days, sometimes it's a week or longer. If it's more than two weeks, it's time to close that chapter, but make sure you felt the feels. And then once you felt those feels, got all of the emotion out, then you can turn to the logic of the question simply, what did I learn? What did I learn from this chapter? And those lessons are going to be embedded in your training cycle, the consistency related to your training cycle, the type of work that you did, both in terms of volume, but also in terms of quality. And then, of course, there are lessons embedded in the race itself in terms of how you prep for the race, how you executed the race, how the race went, how you felt, how you executed your mental game inside that race. All of those elements can bring potential lessons. Now, one thing I always remind people here is don't overthink it. Don't overthink it. Take the obvious lessons, drill in a little bit, get to maybe some of those second order lessons but don't beat yourself up and drill down to the third and fourth and fifth layer of lessons because that simply is not worth it and is often counterproductive to get to that granular of detail or perhaps to invent lessons that weren't really there. What do I mean by that? For example, if somebody had a bad race because the weather was bad, oftentimes people want to throw out the the whole training cycle and just say, well, I failed altogether. I didn't learn anything. Or perhaps there's a tendency to say, I need to change everything in training because I didn't get the result I wanted because of the heat. When in reality, it was just a hot day and that affected you. So that's going to happen. That's just physiology. That's just physics. So the lesson is 
hope for a better day and ask yourself, did you control what you control both in training and on race day? If so, then maybe it was just the day. Don't overthink it. Don't create lessons where there aren't lessons. I've been in that place before, I promise you, because when I ran the Martian Marathon, I believe it was in 2015, still to date, probably one of my best marathons ever, ran a 247 that day on a day that ended up getting into the 70s, really a warm day ultimately, and that simply affected me. I was in shape to run probably low 240s that day, ended up with a 247 on a day that ended up in the 70s. If you adjust for weather, that probably should have been about a 242 or 243 at equivalent effort. But initially, when I got done with that race, thought I failed, thought everything was wrong, thought I needed to change everything in training, when in reality, I didn't. I did everything right in training, had the fitness. It was just a bad weather day, and that affected me. And so now when I look back, I have that ability to see that and to give that race the credit that it was due in my history. But there was a temptation in the moment to throw the baby out with the bathwater and change everything. Ultimately, I didn't. was able to gain logic after feeling the feels and recognize that, sure, you can always tweak a few things, but it wasn't a completely lost season. And so make sure that you don't overthink it either, but, but identify your lessons and prioritize those. I don't think anybody can swallow four or five things from a season. Pick the one or two things that are most critical for you. Maybe it was about race execution. Maybe it was about your mental game in the race. Maybe it was about how you were consistent in training and, and a need to be better about that. Maybe it was about how you executed certain elements of your quality work. Take those handful of lessons, write them down, carry them forward, create an action plan to learn from each of them, and then move to the next. So number one here in moving on to the next season and a part of closing the chapter on the last season is reflect on those lessons learned. Secondly, please, 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 after doing that, make sure you reflect on the wins from the season. Reflect on the wins from the season, the things that you are thankful for, because they are always, always there, even if you didn't get the specific goal that you might have had on your A race. There's a temptation, as I said, to kind of throw the baby out with the bathwater and not recognize that wins can come in so many different forms. I like to say that there are there are training results and there are racing results in a given season. In an ideal perfect world, those things sing, sing a happy song together and you get both and you get the training outcomes you wanted and you get the racing outcomes you wanted and those are the nirvana type seasons, which do happen. But there are often times, seasons particularly, where you might get the training results, but the race result didn't come for whatever reason. Maybe it was a hot day. Maybe it was just a bad day. Maybe you executed poorly and weren't able to fully show your fitness because of that. There could be a lot of reasons for it, but that doesn't mean that that block of training, that chapter of training for you is lost. There can still be wins embedded in it from a training perspective that carry with you. And just like a book, those chapters early in the book continue to build, make that book thicker. And ultimately, just like that for you with training cycles, your foundation in training becomes deeper, bigger, wider, broader, 
which will ultimately pay back for you for years to come. The outcome in a given training cycle is not just about that training cycle. It's about the chapters and the cycles before that as well. And those are all in each their own way, depending on what your emphasis might be in a season. They are additive. They build. They create a bigger foundation for you. And so if you can recognize those training wins, even when the racing win might not have been there, then that is a huge thing to take away. So what do you take away from training? What are the wins? Maybe you were able to run more mileage than ever. Maybe you were more consistent than ever. Maybe you did your longest long run ever. Maybe you ran paces in training and hit paces in your quality workouts that were faster than ever. Maybe you dialed in nutrition in your training runs that allowed you to execute better on race day. There are always lessons in training that you carry forward, those victories that you can carry forward to the next cycle. So identify those both in training and on race day. Because again, even if the outcome, the final time wasn't what you wanted, there's likely wins within the race itself that you can carry away. Maybe you executed well in spite of bad weather. And that caused the time to be different than you wanted, but you still ran a beautiful, smart race and finished strong. Maybe you executed, as I said, nutrition better than ever on race day. Maybe you executed hydration better than ever on race day. Maybe you brought your mental game to parts of that race that were stronger than ever. So make sure you're identifying those wins in training and in racing and acknowledging those. I like to write these things down so you can carry them with you and recognize that those are those are foundational elements to build on for the next chapter. So that's number two. First, reflect on the lessons. Second, reflect and note those wins from the cycle, whether they be from training or racing. Once you've done that, and I would argue not until you've done that, are you ready to close that last chapter and start the next one? So don't, don't get these out of order. But as we go to number three, and this is a critical step, and if you have, you've already started your training cycle and haven't done this, I would encourage you to do it right now, which is to reconnect to your purpose related to the goals that you have. So get back to your why and or recalibrate that why. Check in on it. It may have not changed at all, in which case that's fine, but spend the time reflecting on whether that why is still relevant, whether it still connects to the goals that you might have. And or if it doesn't, then reassess, figure out a new why, because that's going to ultimately be your true north. That's the thing that's going to keep you going through tough cycles, through tough injuries that might come along, through motivational ups and downs along the journey. That purpose is what's going to guide you. And you need to make sure at the beginning of every single cycle that you check in on that and make sure it's still true for you. And if you've just accomplished a big goal, then it might be time to reconsider that purpose altogether, which is a little bit more complex and difficult work, but very, very important to make sure you reconnect the purpose to your new goals. Because I've often seen people have a big breakthrough 
get that big result that they wanted, maybe the Boston qualifier they've been striving for all along. And then once that comes, it's hard to stay motivated because they've they've lost their their connection of the purpose to their goals. And maybe they're wondering about both. What's my new purpose? What's my new goals? How do those now work together? And so just make sure at the beginning of this cycle that you're reconnecting on those, that you're checking in on it. You're validating whether it's still true for you or reassessing it if needed because it's an absolutely critical step to maintain motivation through the ups and downs of any training cycle. So first, reconnect to your purpose as we start this new chapter, number three on my list here. And then number four, I want you then to connect that purpose to your goals to the process needed to get those goals. You've got to be able to draw a straight line through those three elements, purpose, goals, process. And just to be clear what each one of those is, purpose is your why. That's why you want the goal. That's why you want the thing that you want. If you're striving to get a PR in a marathon or a half marathon, why do you want that PR? What does it mean to you? How are you going to feel when you get it? To the goal itself, which is that very specific metric-based goal that you want to go achieve. Could be completing a distance for the first time. Could be running a distance the fastest ever for the first time. It could be meeting a standard, like a Boston qualifying standard for the first time. But connect then to that thing that you want, which is the goals. And then from there to the process, which is what's the work that is going to be required in order to get that goal. And at the beginning of a cycle, it's obviously important to reassess your process. I've talked about process in depth before on many, many episodes in terms of how you might structure training, how do you think about getting into the next cycle in terms of the lessons to carry forward from a work and process standpoint. So I won't belabor that here now, but this is just that time to reassess. Where are you from a volume, a volume standpoint? Where are you from a routine standpoint in terms of how your runs stack together and where your strength training fits in? Where are you in terms of the quality elements you're trying to bring to bear in a given training cycle? Make sure those details are laid out and they're directly tied back to the goal that you might have and how you need to achieve that. And then of course, from there, directly tied back ultimately to your why, your purpose for doing this. So that's number four and really all about once you turn the page into this new chapter, getting your mind right to then go execute on that chapter. So the next few we're going to talk about are all about how do you then get into and think about executing on that next chapter. Number five is a reminder that you have to detrain in order to retrain. You have to detrain in order to retrain. There is a hope in all of us that our fitness gains are just simply linear, that we go from one cycle to the next and everything moves upward to the right and that fitness just keeps building and the results keep coming. But unfortunately, that's not how it works. It's not how it works from a result standpoint and it's certainly not how it works from a physiological standpoint in terms of what your body needs in order to ultimately build to another peak. But you've got to think about it this way. Once you hit a peak, whether you got the goal or not, 
Your body has to detrain off that peak, come back to a little trough or valley, and then build to another peak. And building to that next peak has to happen in a periodized fashion that, again, resets the process and starts with priming and builds into aerobic strength and into the race-specific training and then tapering. You can't short-circuit that cycle. And so after you recover from a race, whether that be one to three weeks post a half or up to three for a marathon, then you've got to reset and rebuild. And you got to start from the foundation of rebuilding volume and repriming the system with simple quality workouts in order to then build back into aerobic strength and then back into the race specific phase after that. You can't short circuit that cycle. And a big part of that is is recognizing that your body is going to detrain. And that is frustrating, I know, but absolutely critical, important, and important in order to get to that next peak. You can't stay at the top of the mountain forever. You got to come down. You got to take a break. Your body has to exhale and reset and then build back, which means that in these initial months of training, you're going to feel like you're out of shape especially when you compare it to how you were pre-taper right before your last goal race in the previous chapter. You're just going to feel like you're out of shape. You're not going to be able to hit the paces that you could before with the same sharpness that you did before because it just doesn't work that way. You've got to, again, start from ground zero and rebuild, which means coming off of that peak to training a little bit and then building back to another peak through a periodized process. So be patient with yourself during this time. Don't get greedy. Don't press. Don't try to compare yourself to where you were right before the last peak because again, it's unproductive and it's also dangerous for you because if you do that, if you start pressing, if you start getting a little greedy in these early parts of a cycle, then that's going to potentially lead to injury, which promotes inconsistency, which will ultimately keep you from getting your goal. So recognize the need to detrain in order to retrain to a higher place. Be patient with that part of the process. Don't get greedy. Don't press. Let it happen. And ultimately, I promise you'll be able to build back to a higher plane if you operate with that patience early in a cycle. So that's number five. Relatedly, number six is make sure you reset into a priming mode, into a priming mode. And what we're doing in priming, the priming phase, as a reminder, some people call this base phase, is rebuilding your volume and consistency and routine while also priming the neuromuscular system with speed development type workouts where you might be doing short, fast intervals with plenty of rest could start out as simple as doing strides, perhaps some 30-second or one-minute pickups with plenty of recovery, perhaps some short hill repeats. Talked about this in prior episodes, so you can go back and listen to that. But those are the types of workouts you want to be doing in this period, which also is a time where you're not going to be worrying so much about pace. Effort is king in the priming phase. It's not about what your watch says. It's about how you feel not forcing it, letting the paces come to you, staying smooth and relaxed in all of your work at this this time. Also making sure you err on the conservative side during this part of the work so that you're not, again, getting greedy and pressing too much. 
and just make sure you're patient with your paces as well. Don't force them. So reset with your priming phase, rebuild the volume, rebuild the consistency, do integrate some speed development type work, but nothing too specific at this stage and certainly nothing that requires you nailing certain paces. That'll be for later phases when you get back into aerobic strength and certainly when you get into that race specific phase of work. So make sure you go back to the beginning. Again, periodization has to happen in a certain sequence in order to build to that higher plane. It resets and starts with priming, so go back there. Number seven, this is a related reminder about not being greedy, which is don't be greedy about your easy paces. Don't be greedy about your easy paces. We, we always struggle with this. This is the number one thing distance runners struggle with because we want to press. Our egos are involved. Our Strava profiles are involved. We think with some twisted logic that we have to run fast in order to get fast on our easy days or that somehow easy days are a barometer for fitness or for how fast you can be. And frankly, they are not. Easy should be easy. And at this stage in the training, that is especially true, especially as we'll talk in a second about the heat of the summer. So make sure when you're rebuilding that you're keeping it super, super easy. Super, super easy on those easy days. Let the pace come to you. Keep it conversational. Keep your heart rate in control, which for most of us means your heart rate should be below 140 beats per minute as a general rule of thumb, because that's going to be the place where you're in that aerobic capacity building zone. That's not putting stress on the musculoskeletal system if you're going too fast so that you can build volume in a way that allows you to stay healthy as you rebuild and as you reintroduce speed work. So keep those easy runs, super, super easy, conversational. Don't worry about what your watch says. Keep that heart rate in check. If you're not doing that, if you're going too fast, then not only are you operating in the wrong aerobic zone to appropriately build base fitness, but you're also putting your body at risk, which could cause injury, which could prevent you from being consistent, which could ultimately get in the way of you getting your goal in several months. So Keep it easy on those easy runs. If I've said that once, I've said it a thousand times and I'll say it a thousand more because it is so critical to ultimately getting the goals that you want is going slow to go fast later. So that's number seven. Number eight, especially given that we're entering the summer season, don't forget to compensate appropriately for the heat. Don't forget to compensate appropriately for the heat. And there's two parts to this. One is the pacing side. The other is the hydration side of the equation. Let's talk about pacing first. On pacing, because I just mentioned it, that means that your paces are going to naturally need to adjust because of the heat. We, for whatever reason, give ourselves grace. If we go to altitude, we think, oh, of course I'm running slower because I'm at 8,000 feet. But if the temperatures go to 75, 80 degrees, we don't naturally give ourselves grace, which is kind of interesting to me. But you have to, because in those summer months, my easy pace runs and really all runs across the board could be 20 to 30 seconds per mile, sometimes even slower than that. 
slower than my normal paces on a cool winter day. And you have to account for that and just let it happen. Because especially now, as we're adapting into this warmer period of the summer, your body's adjusting and it's going to be particularly painful. It's going to take you perhaps four to six weeks to really feel acclimated to the heat. But even still, once you get acclimated, you're still going to need that buffer on your paces. You just got to let it happen because there's, there's just no benefit to forcing it. The effort is the same and that's what matters. So don't worry about the pace. Let the heat naturally adjust those pages, paces back. Again, at least 20, 30, 20 to 30 seconds per mile, if not more, depending on how you're feeling and depending on perhaps the exact conditions that you might be facing. So that's the first part of the heat discussion. Second part is hydration and electrolytes. Make sure you're staying on top of this. It is so, so critical to feeling strong through the summer months. And that means getting enough water along the way, but also getting enough electrolytes. And I'm not talking about during your runs. I'm talking about during the day, during those work days. That's the most important element to this because if you can stay hydrated, in your normal parts of the day, then that's going to carry over into your runs and workouts in a way that's going to benefit you. So for me, that means really drinking as much as I can throughout the day and then making sure I'm supplementing with at least two servings a day of some form of electrolytes. For me, that might come in the form of simply taking salt pills, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. could come in the form of Light Switch, which is an electrolyte product that I like from Dr. Moose, who's been on my show before or Scratch or Element or Noon or any of these other products that might work for you that have electrolytes. I don't do this in the winter, but in the summer, because of the heat in Texas, taking one serving in the morning, one serving in the afternoon, supplementing with water around that to make sure that I'm well hydrated throughout the day. The other part of this is making sure that during the runs, you're getting enough, and post-run in particular, you're making sure you catch up as needed to get back to the appropriate urination frequency and urination color. It's kind of gross to talk about, but you want to see that pee come back. You want to make sure you're peeing within a reasonable time after your long runs or workouts. And of course, you want to make sure that that urine color gets back to a faint yellow, mostly clear color as a sign that you've got your hydration and electrolytes recalibrated post-run. So oftentimes in summer, you have to compensate a little bit more for that post-run. So make sure you're doing that and just watch for that urination frequency and that color post-run to make sure you're back on track with hydration because your body needs H2O to perform the, the chemical reactions inside your body to aid in recovery. And if you're dehydrated and you don't have that, then your body can't do the work it needs to recover, which is ultimately going to snowball in you feeling terrible on runs later. So make sure you're staying on top of it. Compensate for the heat, both in terms of paces, but also in terms of hydration, electrolytes, both daily and post-run, and of course, during run as well. So compensating for heat is number eight. Number nine, look ahead and do some planning especially in this season, because again, summer months can be challenging. Perhaps if you have kids or your routine is different because 
they're not in school or maybe your schedule is different because of the summer months. Perhaps you have vacations planned. It's always important to look ahead on these summer months and do some planning to figure out where everything is going to fit and where you're going to need to make your adjustments, particularly for a vacation or other things that might be different during these months. And that doesn't mean you have to run during vacation necessarily. I always encourage people to be active during vacation, but I, but I think you can take time off from rigorous training during vacation, but you want to make sure that you're compensating and adjusting around that in order to try to get in as much work as you can consistent with what your training cycle calls for. And so look ahead and do planning around that. It could mean in in our world, we, we do three-week cycles, so two up weeks and one down week. It might mean adjusting your down weeks so that your down week matches up with a vacation block that you might have. It could mean adjusting your long run schedule similarly so that you get that long run in in advance or perhaps after you get back from vacation so that you can make sure that if you're building to a marathon that you still get all those building blocks you need in order to execute later on race day. So look ahead and make those adjustments now so that they don't creep up on you and then potentially become a compromising factor in how your training is piece piece together. Usually if you look ahead far enough, you can make those adjustments now and then get everything or most of the things you need done and adjusted into that plan versus if you're right if it's right upon you and you haven't made that planning happen, then sometimes something might fall away. So look ahead and make those adjustments plan for vacations, school-related adjustments that you might need to make in order to make sure you're getting as much of the work in as you can. And that's really true for any training cycle. If we were training through the winter, then it would be the same thing, but just related to holiday, perhaps travel around Thanksgiving or Christmas. And so this is something that's important in any season, but I think summertime, it's perhaps even more critical because Oftentimes, that's when our our vacations and travel kick in. So that's number nine, plan ahead and make those adjustments. Number 10, last point, going to drive it home with a quote from one of my heroes in marathoning, Desiree Linden, which is just keep showing up. Consistency is the key. That is the number one thing that's going to define how you improve in this sport over time. If you can be consistent from day to day to week to week, month to month, year to year, that matters more than any single workout, than any single long run along the way. And so that's not to minimize the work on a given day, but it's just to remind you that the forest is more important than the trees. It's also not to say, you know, you can't miss a day here and there. You you don't have to be perfect. That's not what I'm talking about. It's just all about being as consistent as you can over a block of time, getting in 90 to 95% of the work in that block of time. That's ultimately going to most determine your ability to reach your potential in this sport and the extent to which you can string together cycles like that. You will be able to reach potential that you never thought possible So now is the time to recommit to that consistent work. We talked about earlier connecting your purpose to your goals to the process, and that's what this is about. If you can draw that line from purpose to process, 
then that becomes your true north for staying consistent and staying motivated along the way. But it's an important point all to itself. Start to check the boxes, get in the work, do the work no matter what. Don't beat yourself up if you don't if you don't get exactly what you wanted on a given day. Get something in. Something's always better than nothing. And then move on to the next and get the next day's work done and just keep stringing together those consistent weeks because that's the building block for goal smashing. That's a promise. And Des preaches it and I'll preach it as well. Just keep showing up. Be consistent. So that's all I've got for you today. Those 10 things to think about as you turn the page on to this next season. I'm excited about it myself. I'm excited about it for all of you. And if you want to join us coming up here in the Rogue Renegade group, stay tuned for that opening up on June 1st. We'd love to be a part of your next chapter of training. Otherwise, consider these 10 things and go get the work done on your own. With that, I'll wrap this episode. As always, you can check us out at roguerunning.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Rogue Running. Until next time, we'll talk to you soon.